You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. From the ashes of the Star Wars Report's original Rebels Roundtable comes the Padawan Perspective, a multi-generational podcast covering the latest Star Wars news and commentary. From Star Wars television shows to the live-action films, the Padawan Perspective has a point of view on them all. And welcome to the Padawan Perspective, where we focus on the Star Wars family and the Padawans. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good tonight. Welcome to our first episode, everyone. You know, we had one already ready for you guys. You've heard the Zero episode. We'd like to reintroduce ourselves, these Padawans, some of their interests outside of the fandom, as well as what it's like at previous celebrations and being towed around by their podcasting fathers. Hey, that said, I'm Mark Herleman. I'm founder of the Star Wars Report, one of the podcast hosts of the Star Wars Report podcast, as well as Star Wars Beyond the Films. And with us, of course, we've got Baron Lawton. Uh, Baron, you can also be found on... uh, Star Wars Action News, as well as Rebel Forces Radio Network. Uh, Our children, on the other hand, they're completely new to the world of podcasting. Uh, Taylor, you may have heard her on a few of the last Rebels Roundtable episodes, but beyond that, these two are the Anakin Skywalker just joined the Order New. Uh, So that said, let's toss the training remote their way, shall we? Taylor, you're up first. What are some of your interests outside of the Star Wars fandom? Well, for the last uh, five years now, I've been dancing and for like three years, since four or three years now, I've been dancing competitively with all that jazz. Excellent, excellent. And Farrah, what are you doing uh, outside of Star Wars fandom? Well, outside of Star Wars fandom, currently right now I'm in a sport. I'm in boxing and kickboxing. It's a it's a pretty fun sport. It it You can get a lot of exercise from it and... I, I like boxing. It's cool. All right. Our next question is, what's it like for you two having Uber geeks for fathers and being towed around from event to event? Taylor, let's start with you. It's kind of hard, and it's kind of also annoying. There's also some things that you get to see that you probably wouldn't get to see. And Barrett, what about you? What's it like being towed around? I know I know Barrett goes to a lot more events and stuff than I do, so you probably are bored to death or excited beyond all belief. Most of the time, I am excited because most of the things that we go to, most of the events, like the Celebration and Comic-Con and Kamikaze, all those events, even though I don't really get to see some of the stuff I really do, everything that we do see that I I am getting dragged around for is like a really cool experience and it's really just a a fun place to be, you know? You never, like, whenever I'm getting dragged around, you never know where you're going to go next, so... And I've been dragging my Padawan around for years. His first convention was in 2004, 2007. It was 2007. It was Celebration 4, and he was three years old, and we dragged him all (laughs) around there. He uh, got some definite uh, training that year. We try to make it fun, you know, I think as masters of these Padawans, we're we're tugging them around. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're still excited about waiting in line for hours upon hours. 
to get an aging Mark Hamill signature. Yeah. <laughs> you're like me. You're into more than just Star Wars. So you're taking advantage of the Comic Cons and all this stuff more than just Star Wars Celebration. So Pharaoh's getting a well-rounded introduction to geekdom. Yes. And let me ask you, Padawan, are you getting desensitized by meeting some of these people? Because it seems to me like, you know, the first time you introduce them to Master Yoda, a.k.a. Dave Filoni, they're pretty excited, but, you know, after they meet Master Yoda a few times, does it still give you the same jolt in your heart when you meet some of the people who are involved in the Rebels and, and Clone Wars? Well, it's still exciting, All no matter how much you're going to see, you know, that famous of a person and that cool of a guy, no matter how much you see him, you're always going to be excited. If you see him that much, you always, you know, feel more attached to the to the character that they play and, you know, to the to the person in real life, to the actor, to the voice actor. But I think every time you do see him, even if you see him multiple times, it's still a cool experience. Yeah, like Ashley Eckstein, we met her a few times. I think of her as Ahsoka, so, you know, I bring her my Padawan, and it's like, I wonder if she thinks we're <laughs> weird. I don't know. Yeah, because if you see her every year, then she starts to recognize you, and I don't know. That's always very awkward. That's when you get on the in track, though. Once they start to recognize you, like, oh, oh, your your parents' kid, Pharaoh, the one with the cute cheeks, and she, you know they want to come <laughs> over there and squeeze on them and stuff. To play into that, because you only have so many years of that. Well, the last time, you know, don't, believe me, I use my Padawan to open a lot of doors. The last time we met Filoni, it's almost like I said to him, "We're getting to be kind of strangers who know each other," and he kind of gave me a look. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Filoni, uh, you guys and us, we all managed to go to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim a few years back. Uh, you know, Farrell, go ahead and give us your point of view of what that was like for you going to a Star Wars Celebration. You know, whenever you go to the Star Wars Celebration, there's always so much cool stuff to see. There's always, you know, exclusives. You get to see sneak peeks on new upcoming movies or TV shows or whatever they're making next. And you get to meet a lot of famous people that you've been watching for years and years. And I don't know, I think it's, I think... Some of the Star Wars celebrations are better than other conventions like Comic-Con because at Comic-Con there's so much stuff to do and you have to wait, you know, hours and hours in line to see somebody that you like. But at Star Wars Celebration, it's all people that you know you're going to see there like Ahsoka or Dave Filoni or anyone. Like it's more focused on Star Wars, you know, there's not that there's thousands of people, but maybe not hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> Taylor, what about you? You uh, Celebration Anaheim was your first, basically, any kind of celebration, con kind of thing. Totally opened my eyes. What about for you? It was very chaotic. <laughs> I can say that. Because we went there when we were going to Disneyland. So we were like, when are we going to go to Disney? When are we going to go to Disney? And because it was my first service convention and stuff, I was all like, <laughs> it's Disneyland. You always want to go. And a lot of my like favorite YouTubers and stuff, they kept on getting spotted at Disneyland. So I was all like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But it turned out they were there after we left. But when we were at Star Wars Celebration, we were saying earlier, I kept on getting dragged along by not my dad, but my mother. And because my dad was at Force, Force United. United booth, my mom kept on, keep in mind, it wasn't just me. It was uh, my brother, who was 12, and my little sister, who was two or three. And so it was very chaotic and stuff. Also that we were planning a surprise. Meet Mark Hamill for my dad. 
But Gavin and I, my brother, we kind of didn't realize what was going on until we were, like, actually in line. And my mom's all like, go down there, uh, make sure Dad doesn't see the sign because it says Mark Hamill. We were roaming around. I also got this really uh, one-of-a-kind Star Wars jacket, this uh, clone trooper jacket, and it turns into a pillow. <laughs> yeah, that was actually kind of cool because, you know, we knew ahead of time I was going to be going down and I was going to be doing the Rebels premiere for season two. And I told my wife, you know, hey, nothing going on this day, this time. And like the second day in, she goes, hey, don't do anything on this day at that time. I'm like, are you kidding me? That is the one time I said before we even went that I needed off. She's like, well, it's like 200 bucks and I can't refund. I'm like, oh, no, I had no idea what it was. My kids were, of course, saying it was worth it and stuff. And they managed to hold it off all the way up until they started to do the line. The line for Mark Hamill starts right here. And I think at that moment, my jaw just hit the floor uh, when we went in and actually met him. He thought he had seen Taylor like three or four times throughout the convention. He was like hey yeah i remember you and he I'm saw like, okay yeah that really i'm like with it. and of course jana she's always adorable he's like oh can i can i hold her I'm like yeah you can so in the photo she's like i don't know who the heck this guy is and she, we're all like yeah she has like this pure terrified look on her face my dad's like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm meeting mario camel and then my mom's face is just like Ping, with a huge smile on her face. Yeah, we all had fun, but needless to say, they did decide that the next one I'll be going alone. Yeah, yeah, we'll see as, as Taylor in the show progresses how much more into those kind of things she's going to get as well. As of the last celebration, Mom was like, you're going by yourself, and we were all kind of okay with that. With that, let's get into the season premiere of rebels and we have a very very special guest to join us today with our padawans dan curdo hello how are you guys we are doing very well and dan is from you know what dan why don't you tell our listeners where you're from oh my goodness there have been so many over the years so many i i got my start on the force cast back in the day and then uh kind of had my own show for a little while the collector's cast for the force cast and then we spun off james burns and i spun off on our own for the curdo burns collector's cast which turned into the star wars collector's cast then i became a co-host on the wolfpack podcast which has now been rebranded to the first order's transmission and i've done many guest appearances on various shows over the years i just have a lot of fun in the community absolutely and the star wars community I know, as I've talked to several of them, <laughs> uh, really appreciate everything that you do for yep. the community. I mean, you've been down before down was down. And uh, our listeners, oh. I'm sure, appreciate it. That's pretty down, isn't it, Mark? That's pretty down. Hey, it was a Wednesday, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so we really appreciate you well, coming you. on the show for our first episode. <laughs> I, I love listening to the stories from the celebrations and stuff because... I never was able to take my kids to those things when they were younger because they didn't have celebrations. And by the time they started going and I was going to conventions, they were all older and sort of like, yeah, Dad, that's Star Wars stuff. That's your thing. We're not so into that anymore. So having the younger Padawans, I love this. I love it a lot. You know, I always say, I've been saying to Mark that I think that our Padawans are war Padawans. You know, we take them to the convention. It's like going to war. I mean, you pad up, you bring extra water, you bring extra food, you have escape routes. You know, you don't leave each other's sights. I mean, you go back to back down some aisles. Always pack a stick of deodorant in your backpack. Trust me. Yeah, that's as good as an extra clip in the <laughs> bowcaster, I think. So welcome, welcome. Master Zenite, why don't you go ahead and give us 
the official synopsis of the episode. This is straight from the iTunes Star Wars Rebels feed. Having established a secret base on Altson, the Ghost Crew strengthens the Rebel fleet by acquiring new resources and recruits to stand against the Empire. However, Imperial efforts to eliminate the Rebellion are now being led by the coldly analytical Grand Admiral Thrawn, who those strategic, tactical, and cultural insight make him a threat unlike any of the Rebels have faced before. Ezra and Sabine take on new roles and challenges as the Rebels prepare for their biggest mission yet, a direct assault on the Empire. Ooh. Did you say Grand Admiral Thrawn? Was he so grand? I don't know. I kind of have a little iffy about Thrawn here. You can't go wrong with Thrawn. I like the fact that they, when they introduce him, the Grand Admiralship is a recent promotion. You and I, we've known Thrawn for a while from Legends, the expanded universe and stuff. A, a character that you know, basically came in, grabbed the reins of the Empire after Palpatine's death, and tried to eliminate the Rebellion once and for all to secure a safe and peaceful society that Palpatine always wanted. Uh, and granted, now we've got a new canon and we've got new characters. And so they're bringing Thrawn into canon, but now it's it's able to be done in a new way. We can see Thrawn from a different angle. You know, they're going to keep a lot of the same traits. But it's interesting because now the sky's the limit. I mean, we don't necessarily need to see Thrawn die anytime soon. Thrawn could be somebody that could stay around for a while. He could be like a Nominor character, somebody that keeps coming around that's always a thorn in everyone's side. The danger with Thrawn is that he's just so dang smart. You know, you don't want him to be out calculating everything they do to the point where the Rebels crew has nothing they can do. But, oh, man, I, I don't know about you guys. I was tickled to see that blue-skinned, red-eyed Chiss show up. We've had drawings of Thrawn. Like you said, we're, we're pretty familiar with him. I want to ask the Padawans, what did you think about Thrawn and the blue skin and the red eyes? What... what as a, as a villain character that comes on, brand new, what did you think about him? The way he looked. He's definitely unlike any character we've seen before. Like, he's the only blue bad guy in the galaxy that we've seen in, in Star Wars movies, right? Well, and definitely in Rebels, because there was a blue bad guy in the Clone Wars. Do you oh, remember yeah. that blue bounty hunter bad guy? Jango. No, not Jango. No, not Jango. <laughs> he did wear blue armor. Cad Bane. Cad Bane. You know, he was the blue bad in the Clone Wars. It's funny that he hasn't shown up, actually, in Rebels, because he really didn't have a definitive end story to his story, right? He could be around still. But now we get a blue character, and he's kind of human-looking, you know? He's not, like, alien-looking. Cad Bane, you could see him and be like, you know, he's not like us. This guy looks like a human. And he's very striking, isn't he? They made him very angular, Almost like the old school Rebels animation. Yeah, seeing him kind of the first time on Rebels and stuff, it was hard to understand who he was at first because my dad's all like, what? And like totally <laughs> made this <laughs> weird sound and so all I could focus on was that. She's not she's not at all exaggerating. I was I was squealing quite a bit. There was a lot of oh, oh they're in so much trouble. Like, you know, I I know the I know the character more than she does. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. Well, I I go back with Thrawn just like you guys. I mean, this is this is the character that really started the whole resurgence of Star Wars back in the nineties. I mean, he was part of the original Heir to the Empire novel. And this guy He's just getting warmed up. We just saw him. This is a small cameo. The potential here 
is so great for him to really make life miserable for all these characters, not just the rebels, but everyone in the entire galaxy. And what I like that they continued, from looking around the episode, all of the other Imperials are human, or, or you know, whatever the equivalent is in Star Wars, but they're all human, humanoid. Thrawn is an alien, through and through. And the time when they introduced him, that was something that was sort of unique. And they made a point of saying there were very few aliens in the Empire, especially someone of this stature. And I love the interaction with him and Tarkin, because that's something in my mind I never put together that they knew each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was a cool thing as well. Because the books originally take place after Jedi, right? So every Thrawn story that we know from the old expanded universe, Legends, that's not in this time frame. Thrawn, if they were to bring that history back again, he's not going to die in Rebels. All stories of Thrawn and Legends that took place in this time frame, but most of it, he was still kind of establishing things in the unknown regions. Like There was one where he was wearing some Fett armor, things like that. Uh, outbound flight happened around, well, probably a little bit more, about five 10 years before this, but hmm. I, and, and that backstory, we don't even know if that's still out there. Like outbound flight was a really cool legend story that could easily come across and be something that could establish still how he came to Palpatine's presence. Cause that's how he did in legend. And, and there's a new book coming out that should probably, I would imagine, give a little more background of the character and it's by the original author. So that's pretty awesome. That was the best news for me coming out of star Wars celebration this year was that Timothy Zahn was going to write a Thrawn book. And I mentioned this before in the last podcast. He can basically pick apart his own creative style and writing and and actually have Monday morning quarterback on his own self. And he can pick the best things that he liked out of the Thrawn trilogy books and make them canon now. And I noticed that they left out the slugs. You know, yes, they, they, that... didn't, they didn't put those in. They had a picture of slugs. I think that that's totally intentional. I mean, I remember an article with Dave Filoni saying that that really didn't make any sense to him, the Ysalamiri, having them, you know, in the in the show, so they kind of got rid of those. But you, you mentioned it before about how the novels were not canon. They never really were. Yeah. It all kind of blended together after the movies stopped, so everybody kind of thinks of it all as one big thing, but the novels were never canon. Um, so I find that interesting. One thing I hope that they bring back and some of those, if we stick with that original Thrawn story, I would love to somehow see Mara Jade appear or the Nagri, the Nagri and the lady Vader angle would be something I'd love to see come in. I mean, you could even do a, a throwback to the clone wars and, and kind of tell some of that to a degree. Uh, but you'd have to be, you'd have to play that close because in legends, he was already Vader when he came right. to that planet during the clone wars. So it didn't quite work out. They'd retconned a lot of things in that regard, but you know, you're right, Dan, uh, you know, legends, when it was the expanding universe, it was always a separate universe. It did take itself very seriously. It was always separate. Lucas always saw it as something else. And I think that's the cool thing about everything being legends now is at least, you know, we know going forward, this isn't the same guy. You know, it, it's like Quinlan Voss when he came into the, the Clone Wars. You know, it's a remake of that character. Granted, now they're going to try to stay true to that character like no time before. There were so many really cool moments throughout this episode, that little tiny things that just jumped out to me. Like, we get to a moment where we go into Ezra's uh, bedroom chamber, 
and there is a, a Ben Quaternero's pod racing poster and a YT-1300 poster on the wall uh, right before the Sith Holocron's eyes light up. And, and, you know, he's been training and doing all these new techniques and stuff that he's been learning under the Sith Holocron. And, you know, I was kind of I was kind of upset about the fact that they jumped from the last one. You know, granted, I get the time gaps between seasons, but there was a lot of stuff I was really hoping to pick right up on. And they jumped far enough forward where Kanan's kind of like not not in the picture. He's kind of doing his own thing, kind of almost kind of like having a pity party about losing his eyes. And, you know, the, the fact that. Ezra's already been using the Sith holocron and in learning these new dark powers. We witness him use some of these powers and like, I don't know. There's a moment when he comes into Ezra's room and his hands like right next to the holocron, which, you know, shame on you, Ezra, for leaving that out. But I'm kind of like, you know, Ganon's fine. He's basically should be using the force to see that thing should be glowing like Neo in the matrix when he lost his eyes. Like I kept wanting to have something where we got a point of view from Kanan, I kept telling Taylor, you know, it would be like if we got Jordy LaForge's vision on Star Trek Next Generation. Like, we needed to see him have that awareness. I like the fact that when they introduced the Bendu character, that that was kind of where that went. Mm-hmm. Trailers and the previews for this and the Bendu, I was thinking, you know, oh my God, we're going to have the Bendu. It's going to be this huge Force tradition and all this stuff. And they really played that down. It was just kind of like, oh, they're, they're no different than the Bomar monks or, you know, the Keldors or the Genisari. It's just another Force tradition. And it really served to help Kanan get over the hurdle of the handicap of his vision. And I, I like that, but I wasn't expecting that at all. You know, I yeah. want to ask the Padawans a question here. The Bendu. You brought up the Bendu, Mark. Now, I know as a 40-year-old father what I think about the Bendu. You know, is that something that you guys understood as Padawans when you first watched this? What do you what do you feel about the Bendu? Well, at first, like just in putting myself in Kanan's spot, it was just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Cuz I was I wasn't expecting it to like rise from the ground so much. I was expecting it to be like come up from behind him or something. Uh, Gavin uh, was all like, "I knew it! I knew it!" And I was like, "What?" And then I turned around. I was like, "Oh my god! Okay." <laughs> and so it just kind of like stunned me because I wasn't expecting it to be that big. I apologize right now. My kids have not seen the never-ending story enough to realize that that was the turtle. <laughs> no, that was the rock giant. Yeah, these big hands and the nothing. Yes. Wait, so the Bindu, is is it like a tree? Is it just an alien? Is it like, is it, I don't know, is it a rock monster? I like how the Padawans have two different perspectives. It seems like Taylor has kind of an understanding of what it was, but you don't understand what it was. Yeah, it just it came from under the ground. Like, it could be the Loch Ness monster of Earth. It reminded me of, like, a rock, but a mushroom at the same time. Like, those uh, brownish mushrooms. I don't know why. Just, just, like, the way he was formed and stuff, it just reminded me of a mushroom slash rock. You, you know, speaking of mushrooms, you know those, like, droids that were brand new to this series? The little mushroom droids? Yeah. Oh, the demolition droids. Those, <laughs> yeah. those, were, those were nice. Those were cool stinking small at first <laughs> and then rex destroyed one the bendu is the one in the middle right is that how he explains himself yeah. he doesn't use the ashla or the bogan yeah there's the light and the dark and he's somewhere in the middle so he's bringing balance in a way 
and helps Kanan to overcome because wh why didn't Kanan recognize the Sith holocron? You're right, it should have stood out like a sore thumb because he's totally cut off, not just his vision, but he's been a lost Jedi, if you will, for many, many years, ever since Order 66, probably. I didn't read the comic, but I'm assuming that's probably what that was all about. He's sort of back on the path again. This is going to be very interesting to see the dynamic between him and Ezra now that Ezra's been sort of flirting with the dark side and being very, very comfortable with it. And that never goes well in Star Wars. Is this Bendu creature character supposed to be related to or somehow connected to the father, the sister, and the brother? I have to think that they're going to come back somehow. Well, the Not sister is the owl, right? I mean, I think yep. Filoni has kind of suggested that when the sister died she formed into this owl the owl has been seen with ahsoka where mm -hmm. ahsoka's walking in the cave you see the owl fly and now the owl is kind of leading kanan to the bendu so my question is the bendu said he's the one in the middle but shouldn't the middle have both evil and dark or light and dark properties he seems to be pretty good to me but he can open the sith holocron as well you notice he did open that Sith holocron, so he has to be using... He's using light and dark, but I think that's the thing. He is basically the essence of a gray Jedi. I think the question I have is, are we ditching the word Bendu like we knew it in Legends? I mean, Bendu was basically an early form of the Jedi once, and it was an order in and of itself. And you almost get like, you know, it's the... the what is it? The house of black and white, you know, like <laughs> a Bendu is nothing more than a Bendu, you know, like he's like talking about himself in the third person. Like he's the Bendu, but what is the Bendu per se? Like I was originally thinking when we saw this, that, that the Bendu were going to play some bigger role overall. But when this episode was done, I really felt like he's just kind of like a, a one and done thing. Like maybe Kanan will come back a couple more times, you know, because clearly we see, you know, some of the stuff with Maul having the, the two holocrons and Ezra being with him with the two holocrons doing some kind of meshing. So clearly they get it back. But I don't know. Like I from this episode, I didn't get the feeling like the Bendu himself was going to play like a big role. Like you're not going to see him getting involved with much. He may take on a more Yoda type role where he's just dropping philosophy on people. Uh, and one thing I really liked about the interaction between him and Kanan was the fact that we got to really see the new character model and the new beard on Kanan. And we took off the, the mask and we see the new, the scarring with his eyes and stuff. I really thought that was cool. Like all the new character models, it seemed like everybody had some changes to him. And I really was digging on, on what they've done with the characters. Oh, I love, I love Kanan's new scar. Does that scar make him look more manly? Does the Bendu seem like he could teach you something? Did you think that you could learn something from the Bendu? Definitely, because that, that quote that he said, what was the quote? It was... Oh, yeah, he, put, he threw out some good quotes out there. He was doing a lot of teaching to Kanan. And one of the things that that makes a great guest appearance, or like you brought up Yoda, he could be kind of like Yoda. What he said was, if you can see yourself, you will never be truly blind. And when he said that, I'm like, what a great great line to say you know for the bendu if he was going to be a great teacher you have to give him lines like that right you even said this that that's a yoda quote right, right? there so that's a yoda quote right there let's let's talk about his voice for a second it's you kanan jadas the guy that plays the high sparrow because i swear to god that's who i kept hearing that's 
Tom Baker. That's the Doctor Who from the 70s and 80s. Really? Oh, That's who that, that was. So if, if you're into Doctor Who at all, not the new version, but, well, I guess they're all connected, right? So, um, But the older one with the long scarf, that's the actor that played that character. Oh, interesting. I, I always thought, or um, every time throughout that episode that the Bindu talked, I always thought he sounded like the floating head from The Wizard of Oz. His audio just sounds like like that. Well played, Pharaoh. Well played. <laughs> I think that the Bendu is going to be around for a while. They're definitely going to have to get that Sith holocron back from him. I think probably Ezra's probably going to go looking for it. The way he was, where was it? What did you do with it? You know, my precious. Well, clearly it's affecting Ezra. I think Ezra's recklessness is, is a clear attribution to being around that Sith Holocron. I mean, he gets an increase in rank and it immediately goes to his head, you know. And even the Bendu talks about power for power's sake. But clearly, Ezra just doesn't know how to handle himself. He's trying. And he's trying to do the right thing, but he's just getting caught up in all these baser emotions. What was with that promotion? I would never give my Padawan who's flirting with the dark side of promotion to lieutenant. Okay? Is it because Sato remembers how it was working with Ahsoka and the other Padawans that were out there that were not generals but captains? What he said was, you know, your your success does not go um, under-noticed. So, like, he's basically saying... For succeeding on that last mission, you get to be team captain. Here you go. Congrats. He had the Sith holocron. Did any of them know except for Kanan at the end? That's a good question. No. I was going to say, them. that's my big Kanan gave it to the Bendu to get it out of there. I mean, Kanan, Kanan sees it as a threat, but I like the fact that the Bendu himself... You know, he basically put it out there, and, and me and Nathan on Star Wars Beyond the Films were just talking about Legacy Storms, and there was a similar one where one of the characters gets put in a suit of armor, and one character says, you know, it's not the suit, it's the person inside the suit. And the Bendu says the same thing to Kanan. He's like, you know, the Sith Holocron's not going to corrupt him, it's, it's himself. And this Sith Holocron is actually giving Ezra some powers that we've never seen before. I mean, he takes control of an at ATST ATAT an ATSE I believe it was one of those newer ones and and can I just say I that was one thing that jumped out to me it was an immediate peeve why in the hell would you have that walker on that tiny little slab put some guns up there and have some guns aimed at that thing that was just waiting to be shoved off it was overkill but you know they call it as hondo calls him the purple ma- the purple guy he says that he calls it a Jedi mind trick. Zeb calls it a Jedi mind trick. But we've never seen a Jedi mind trick like this. A Jedi mind trick, usually, traditionally, a Jedi makes a suggestion to someone, has to talk to someone to make them do what they want. You know, Let's these see, aren't the droids we, you're looking for. This guy took control of this guy's mind. Have we seen that before? I disagree. We have seen similar before. Uh, Legends, especially in the New Jedi Order, we've seen Jaina, she used a mind wipe on someone, and we've seen multiple people use mind wipes. Kip Doran used one, and he he thought of it as a clock. uh, Jaina thought of it in a different way, and it was all about how they thought about it that allowed it to do the different direction. I, I clearly think that he got in the guy's head, and what you see is, is he kind of went from the pilot's perspective. You know, you watched him grab, you know, invisible hand grabs the control. 
And then suddenly the actual pilot's hand is actually moving with him. He is now taking control of the pilot's body. And eventually it moves on to the point where he even takes control of the walker. Physically, he is now walking for the walker with his steps. And I thought that was a brilliant use of, you know, that was basically force persuasion is what we're seeing there, which which the old KOTOR game really played up. So this is the first time, well, this is Filoni again bringing something from Legends into canon because this was never canon before, and it's yeah, canon it, now. This was never anything beyond Legends canon, sea level canon at best. There was nothing in the film or TV show ever before this. And this is, so he's bringing in these kind of force powers into canon, and the first person being able to do it is Ezra. Even back in the Clone Wars, when the Jedi tried to make Cad Bane again, spill the beans it took a lot of jedi it took anakin it took obi-wan and it took mace windu and they still had to give him suggestions it wasn't like they could take control of his body and you know i know he's 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 a stronger willed individual than say a, a atse trooper but still that is a powerful powerful jedi move i think and i gotta give ezra respect for that i mean my draw my jaw looked exactly like Sabine's when they showed her when he when she saw him do that and he even said that Kanan didn't teach him so the only the only way that he could have learned that was from the holocron the holocron or natural ability in Disney's again in Disney's world if you can think about it hard enough that's what the force is now it's not like the force is what this Jedi learned passed down to his Padawan and that's why this you know Padawan knows this and can teach it like that if you concentrate hard enough, the Force can do anything. And I think that's what the Force is in the Disney Star Wars. So you, you don't really learn much, and you can't really teach much. It's just if you try hard enough, you'll, you'll get whatever you You, like, take enough deep breaths, you know, maybe do a few yoga poses, open up, let go, and you'll be able to set the world on fire. And then the ride force. on a magical carpet. Then, yeah, yeah, you know? You just, like, automatically reminded me of dance. Suppose, uh, so one of my dance teachers was all like, inhale and exhale and everything will go away I'm like it's not working she's a jedi <gasps> you bring in your focus and your practice and you sort of center yourself and visualize whatever dance moves or boxing moves in, in the other case that you try to do i do that in martial arts myself so i just visualize the move that i'm supposed to perform in my kata and therefore in my mind i look a lot like darth maul but really i probably look like the star wars kid <laughs> for those who remember that <laughs> one of the things I was going to mention was the Y-Wings being destroyed and when all of them were uh, trying to escape Chopper was able to control four of them or was it five yeah he slaved them together which is also something from Legends that we finally saw brought over in fact that's a Thrawn reference to a degree because the original Black Fleet Crisis book with the Katana Fleet uh, they were all slaved together, and the main ship jumped into hyperspace and took the entire fleet with it. So that was always a premise Legends played with that we've never really seen used that much in canon. But the Y-Wings were able to jump. Yeah, they, they disabled the hyperdrives, which, again, that's a classic Thrawn maneuver there. Mm -hmm. We get introduced to a new character, right? Governor Price. And one of the things you had mentioned that Thrawn is going to be a little different it seems that he, like you said, he was recently promoted, but this Governor Price is actually in charge of, of him. And Governor Price has big boobs. Did you notice that? All the other females in there in Star Wars don't, don't have that, but she does. Is they trying to make her like evil looking with those? 
Or is this whole section gonna get cut out? <laughs> when I when I saw her, all I kept thinking was uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. Right. I, I can't remember the woman's name, but that's I'm like, wow, that looks like that woman that Indiana Jones fought. <laughs> yeah, Lady Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I like the fact that when she called for Thrawn, she she doesn't call for Thrawn by name at first. She's like, I want the Seventh Fleet. And Tarkin looks up like, oh, oh, oh wait, wait, whoa, you want the Seventh? For those of you guys out there that don't know Legends, uh, you know, Thrawn had the 181st uh, under Baron Suterfell. Uh, those were his X-Wings. And they started out like as one of the worst of the worst of all TIE fighter pilots. And Thrawn and, and Baron Fell make them the best out there. So I like the idea that the seventh fleet already had a reputation at this point, even though Thrawn just recently got the promotion. Yeah. Th there's definitely a lot more potential coming over the year, over this season. I think, I mean, if we remember the trailer, we know that certain characters from the films is, are going to appear. I'm pretty sure I saw Dash Rendar's outrider at one scene. So there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. I'm really looking forward to this season. They bring back in Tarkin. And it's so good to see Tarkin, isn't it, in Rebels? He's like a supporting character now. You know, I remember how exciting it was to see Tarkin in, in, in the Clone Wars. You know, how much hype that was. Now we're getting him as just a regular guy. I cannot tell if he likes Governor Price. And I cannot tell if he likes Grand Admiral Thrawn. It's like you cannot read anything from Tarkin. You know, we know at least from Episode 4 that he's got Vader on a short leash. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell if he wanted to give Governor Price the Seventh Fleet to ruin her or to help her. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a read off Tarkin with that. I felt like he was, he was in her camp. Like, I almost get the feeling like she might be a Dala-like character or that that's just Tarkin, that Tarkin might be like how Palpatine was originally in Legends where it didn't matter who they were. He just used the power to basically like, hey, what are you doing tonight? You should come over to my place. We should uh, watch Netflix and chill or something. You know, I don't know. I, I think Tarkin actually gave the, the, the best line in the, the episode. What he says is, Vader has dealt with the Jedi leadership of the Rebellion. Yeah. Vader lied. He didn't, he didn't do that. He, didn't, he, he knows that there's two more Jedi out there, and he not, he's not really sure if he killed Ahsoka or not. So he's lied to the Empire. This is the start of Vader coming back to the good side, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I just I, I, I don't know but I don't know if I can follow that one. Like, you know, I have a hard time with Vader being redeemed. You know, the whole kill in the Padawan thing, like that's just something you just don't quite come back from. And I don't know, like we throw twenty years in between that moment and this moment, everybody's like, Hey, it's okay. He threw the he threw the emperor down the well. It's okay, it's all right. Like <laughs> and I'm just like the dude was a douche. Like, did you see what he did to all those sand people, the little innocent kids and stuff? And then, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? We're going to chop you up and make kebabs out of you and feed you to the clones. Like, he was sadistic as hell. The Padawans, the Padawans, the horror. Padawans, get out of here. Where, Where is the, the uh, Grandmaster Syndrolic when we need him, you know, to protect him? But, you know, you, you mentioned death earlier. And one thing about this episode that really really upset the hell out of me the phantom yes when we lose the phantom i that I, to me that was like losing a dog man i was like <laughs> oh my gosh so i was in the middle of making food and i come out and all i hear is no and i'm all 
what? And he's like, you need to see this right now. Okay. And Gavin's like laying on the floor with his face in the pillow. And he like, it sounded like he was whimpering. And I'm all, okay, well, something very bad happened. And then I see what happened. I was like, oh, okay. And my dad's like, do you not understand what just happened? And I was like, I do. <laughs> it's an animated ship that exploded. Yeah, for for you know full disclosure here, I'm big fan of ships, and <laughs> I finally, finally figured out if you take the diecast or I'm not the diecast, the Hot Wheels uh, ghost, and you take the Micro Machine Phantom and set them next to each other, they're almost to scale. So I was like, uh, you watch that scene, and you watch it hit the ground and explode. I was like, oh, and I was waiting for hair to kind of ream into Ezra. And honestly, I think Ezra got off lucky. Like, I mean, when, when I came home one night when I was 16, and I took my Datsun pickup and cut the corner into the driveway a little too close, and I hit my dad's Datsun pickup off of my dad's state rig, Two cars in one thing. Like, I got beat pretty hard, and those cars were still drivable. I mean, Ezra left the ship behind. Come on, Hera. Like, show, it's time to put on the mom pants, pull out a Hydra Spanner, and put it to work. I couldn't believe it. You know, I think Filoni is brilliant the way they're telling the story, because when the Phantom goes down, you're right, it's like a family member, right? It's not the Millennium Falcon, but it's not R2-D2. But it's somewhere in between, right? It's like if, if it's like losing your lightsaber, it's like losing a bowcaster or something like that. You know, it's something that that is loved. Boom, you know, gets hit by lightning or whatever happened to it. And I, I, I had my jaw open too. I was like, no, they lost the Phantom. And I'm like, Ezra, man, I was starting to like you. It was <laughs> that it built up, though, as a combination of Ezra's botching you know it was like at that point he had already committed to crashing the entire thing and then there goes his only right you're like oh oh you this is karma kid this is karma coming right back you didn't want to wait for Kanan. oh no you're gonna do this all yourself because you're a big lieutenant commander now i think that was the way of filoni really hammering down the point that ezra messed up without actually having to kill one of the crew because that is the only other significant thing they could do is either lose the ghost or lose the phantom for his recklessness and his his willingness to rush into danger without having a plan. You know, there's a price to pay. And I think that is the highest price that they could have paid without actually taking out one of the main characters. This entire episode wasn't, like, so much my favorite. But Ezra was, like, driving me up the freaking wall. <laughs> And it wasn't only just the way he was acting and stuff, but, okay, it kind of was the way he was acting. He was just kept on, he was thinking that he was all that when he really wasn't. And the way he looks, I don't know why, it just seems off to me. I don't know if it's because he's older now or if I'm just used to seeing him younger and stuff, but he just looks really off. And having the story mode and stuff begin with the uh, holocron and stuff, it's kind of just like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, in fact, with, with Ezra's new hair being shorter, it was the first time Taylor recognized that Ezra had a big nose. I'm like, he's always had a big <laughs> nose. It hasn't yeah. changed at all. <laughs> I was all like, oh my goodness. He's, he's just going through puberty. It happens to all of us. 
What exactly. There was this, he had like this side moment. I was like, he reminds me of my friend Ingle. And my mom starts laughing. And I was like, what? And she's all like, does Ingle really have that big of a nose? And we're all like, yeah. And she's like, but not as big as his. And I was like, well, Ezra's in a cartoon, so. Hashtag sorry, Ingle. Uh, you know, I want to ask you guys something really quick. We see Ezra with a new lightsaber in this episode. Uh, he's built a new one to replace the old one in between seasons. Now, we've also seen him using the Sith holocron and learning new things. What do you guys think the odds are that he learned something about Sith saber combat slash construction and may have made some Sithly modifications to this lightsaber. Uh, I know in Legends we had Coran Horn had a, a switch of a, of a wrist kind of thing and the blade would go from being one size to three times the length that would get skinnier and change color. What if he had something like that added to his lightsaber that we see down the road? Do you guys think that that's something possible? I think that's definitely something that Ezra could do. I think that's definitely a possibility because uh, um, on the lightsaber, on the handle, there was like a modification at the top that kind of looks like Vader's lightsaber. It was the little piece sticking out at the top. It has like that same kind of piece on Ezra's lightsaber. Maybe he modified it to look like that. And the bottom kind of looks like Obi-Wan's lightsaber because it has that round knob on the bottom. It does look kind of like a cross between Obi-Wan's, Luke's, and Vader's lightsaber, and it's green. So it's Yoda's too. I don't know why, but when... My dad was just saying that it reminded me of like a Saw's Ven Asajj Ventress and it, her lightsaber just popped up because it had the grip part, it how it curved. I don't know why. I don't even know if it was in the show or not, but for some reason it just popped up into my mind. I was like, oh, yeah. I kept thinking that the voice of the Sith Lady in the Holocron was Asajj Ventress's voice, but this Ooh. episode... Same actress. Off. It was. Is it the same actress? I wasn't sure. Yeah, because well, I had to pause at the end and watch and check that out because I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, is that Asajj speaking as like the host, if you will, from the Holocron? Um, but it was definitely the same voice. It's Nika's voice. Interesting. And it also has the reverberating echo that we get from powerful Force users like uh, Mother Tal's and Alpatine when he's Lord Sidious, things like that. We're talking about Ezra's look. You know, there's a lot of different looks to the characters now sabine's got a new look you already mentioned kanan's new look which i think is the best look i kind of hated that soul patch on kanan i think the best thing they did to him was make him go blind <sighs> what do you think about sabine's look sabine like every season for the past three seasons has changed her hair a different color changed her hair a different color it started off with a yellow orange and then it turned to like a blue and now it's like a purple blue it, every single season, she changes her hair. I think this is the best look for her myself. I think the haircut and the and the kind of like Slurpee do, you know, when you mix a Slurpee together. Pina colada blue milk Slurpee. <laughs> her hair reminded me of cotton candy, but without like the blue part. My dad was saying that how she had the owl on her left shoulder. Yeah, it was very much the reminiscence of the sister owl, the one we see at the end with Ahsoka. Uh, and the other thing I noticed in that regard, too, was that uh, Zeb no longer has his shoulder plates. Like, he had one with, like, a half fish kind of thing on it. Now he's got the whole wife-beater angle with the uh, tank. <laughs> he did beat Callus's ass. <laughs> did Hera change, like, at all? My dad's all like, oh, my gosh, they've all changed. And I'm like, really? Has all of them changed? Well... 
See, Hera still hasn't got many toys yet, so they really can't change the model <laughs> or toy threshold. You know, one thing that I noticed about Filoni, he doesn't put things in that don't come back. I think it's purposeful that Hera has not changed. I think she's supposed to be the heart of the operation. She's supposed to be the solid rock that keeps them all together. And if you're consistent, you really don't change that much. There has to be some sort of story arc with Hera coming up eventually, but we're having these story arcs with Sabine with her whole hair color look, you know. We're going to get some story from her, some background story from her later on in the season, but, you know, Ezra and Kanan and Zeb had, had some good character development. What is happening with Hera? Is she getting left behind? Because every time they go on a mission, what is she doing? She's in the ghost. She's in the ghost. You know what I mean? She's not wearing a red shirt. She could go down on the planet. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the focus is on Ezra and Kanan at this at this point because we want to kind of catch up with them and, and move that storyline forward. And I, I appreciate that. But you're right. Hera hasn't really done too much in this entire series other than fly everybody around, which granted is an important thing to do, but she's way overdue for her solo story. No pun intended. And, and Sabine... Not only does her hair change color, but if you really look at the armor, the armor changes as well. So she's an artist. She's always in the process of mixing things up and changing things, being more creative. And you, I'm glad you mentioned the owl because I was going to, and that's totally something that I don't know if she saw the owl or why she put that on her armor. There's got to be a significance to that. And I have to say I don't think choppers change. <laughs> but my favorite character appearing in this episode was Hondo. I love Hondo from the Clone Wars. I was very excited that they brought him back into Rebels, and anytime he shows up, for me, that's always a good time. Well, yeah. It's not too love about me. Mm -hmm. The purple guy and Mando girl. And Ezra! I love that line. I love he that was line. Not an man. I was like, oh, yes, he's actually committed to it. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> That was the best. He speaks Ugnaught. Because why doesn't? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, you almost get that sense of, like, back in the Clone Wars when he had all the other aliens and stuff around him. Like, how many How many was he really getting down with there? You know, I mean, you know, if he knows the different types of tongues, he's going to be talking to people trying to get him some credits out of him and stuff. I mean, he is a total finagler. I loved Hondo from the Clone Wars. I love the way he looked. I love his little monkey lizard pet. I like the way he was handled this time. You know, when he first got reintroduced last season, I thought he looked a little skinny, that yeah. they did something wrong with him. Whatever they did, I don't know if it was the shadowing, the lighting, they gave him a little bit more texture. Well, he looks just, a lot better. Without his piratitude, he's like a lost character, you know? Like, that was the hardest thing for me. At least, like, his personality was the same, minus the piratitude. I was like, okay, they've kept the funny part about him, at least. I mean, everything else, I really don't care for this model of, of the character. I, I love the voice. that You know, that hasn't changed. But the look, i just not that fond of the look. It's just too different. Uh, I've worked with some people, you know, I used to work at Kodak and I knew a guy that when he got divorced, he went through this weird mid price. <laughs> he cut, he had this giant wedding ring. He cut it in half, made two earrings out of it and totally went pirate. And he was like a total redneck logger before this and just a complete 
flipped the script with who he was. And I kind of get the sense that that's Hondo. You know, he went from being the pirate, you know, everybody looked up to him to now he has no click, but he's still, he's got that same confidence, but he just doesn't have the same following. So he's just like, he's like the guy that used to have the following and he's got that same macho bravado, but he's got no lackeys. Ezra loves this guy. Boba Fett loved Hondo. Hondo really liked Ahsoka when she was a Padawan. What do you guys feel about Hondo? Do you feel like you could take a ride with him? Accept some candy? Um, I don't really know. He just seems like a sketchy character. You know, because as soon as he got what he wanted, um, after he was rescued, he just dipped. Like, he just left the crew behind. He left. He's gone. Goodbye. You know, like, I don't think he's really much of a trustworthy uh, character. So you're not going to climb in the back of his sled for the uh, Tonto bar then? Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, didn't Ezra say something uh, over the intercom as soon as he saw him leave? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were going to secure the ship. I am. For my escape that I'm making right now. Yeah. <laughs> for me. But Ezra still loves him. Yeah. Do you I like him? The reason why Ezra loves him, though, is because Hondo is true to himself, and Ezra can appreciate that from being a Lothrak. You know, what Hondo brings up is a lot of questions, though. Like, where's Slave 1? Last right? time we saw Hondo, he had Slave 1. Where is it? He doesn't have any ships right now, so where is it? So somewhere in there, he's lost Slave 1, or Boba Fett's got it back. That is a story out there I'd like to know. No, I, I think we're going to see that at some point. We're definitely going to see Boba Fett show up in Rebels. I don't know when, but for sure, because you can't have a Star Wars tale without Boba Fett showing up in it at some point. Yeah, they already introduced Darth Maul, you know, the Clone Wars Darth Maul. Right. Well, back at Celebration I, Anaheim during the Untold Clone Wars panel, uh, Filoni was, they had mentioned Cad Bane. Uh, you know, hey, are we going to see Cad Bane come in? And he had said at that time, you know, they were very aware they didn't want it to be Clone Wars 2.0 or the Lost Home for Clone Wars characters, and that we wouldn't be seeing him anytime soon. But he did show a clip of what they had planned for Cad Bane, and it was tied heavily to Boba Fett. In it, Cad Bane had basically seen himself as the galaxy's best bounty hunter. And the galaxy's response was, well, there's also Jango Fett. And so between Django and him, there was this running rivalry of who was the better one. And when Django died, Bane never figured that out. And so he took it on himself to train Boba as good as Django was trained so he could get that definitive answer. And so they had episodes where Boba was being trained by Cat as a bounty hunter. So, you know, you kind of get that sense of maybe they, you know, Filoni doesn't throw things away, like you've said, Barrett. So maybe that was something that they were still planning and that eventually they either come for the ship and maybe that's how Hondo lost the rest of the pirates was because Cad Bane and Boba Fett showed up and blew everything up and stole right. the slave one and left them. I mean, there is a story there. I agree with you. The question is, is will we see it in Rebels? I don't necessarily think we will unless they plan on going a couple more seasons because they're very aware of that Clone Wars 2.0. And when that was brought up about Cad Bane specifically, they were like, no, you're probably not going to see him. So I almost wonder if you would see it maybe in a comic, uh, you know, something where we see it in that regard. 
I thought no books were canon now. Like, even if they make a comic, it wouldn't be canon. No, the ones <laughs> that they're making now are considered canon. Oh, it's just past. So they kind of hit the reset button, yeah. It's just past comics. So it's all canon unless they say it's legends, although there are some misnomers there because, like, the new uh, Lego Freemaker show isn't canon, even though it fits with canon. Uh, it's Lego canon. It's the only thing out there that doesn't exist under a Legends banner, but it still it takes from canon, but it doesn't add to canon. So we will see scenes and stuff like the Freemakers. They don't exist in canon yet, but that's not to say that they couldn't. Uh, it's basically like the Lego shows are the the only EU we have right now from it old standpoint of it's an alternate universe. Uh, Legos is his own thing. But yeah, everything Legends wise. It's its own universe, and everything that came out after April of the 25th of 2005, no, 2014, uh, that's when the new canon launched, and everything from that point on basically was the new canon. It's all supposed to fit together, and they've been doing a pretty good job of it so far. So we may see something in that regards with the Marvel Comics. We've got uh, Kanan, the last Padawan, which went back and gave us from Order 66 kind of up to where we see him in A New Dawn, uh, but it doesn't quite go to that point. So they could pick up something like that and give us something back there with Kanan and give it from Kanan's point of view. And you can find out Kanan might have been there while that was going on and was just, you know, keeping a low profile because he didn't want to be seen or something. You know, you mentioned Django Fett. We have Django Fett. We have Captain Rex. If I kept looking at Captain Rex fighting those <laughs> clankers, and I love it that he said clankers, man. As soon as those mushrooms, mm -hmm. like you were saying, Pharaoh, those mushroom droids dismantling droids, I think they called them, came out to fight. He got pumped, right? And he was like, I'll get those clankers. I mean, they hate droids. Clones hate droids. But as he was fighting, I'm like, this is the old Captain Rex. But then I started thinking, if Jango Fett would have survived, this is Jango Fett. They got Jango Fett on their team. And then he's like, that's the last straws. And then he slammed the, the machine into the into the droid and yeah yeah it was dope i love the moment where he was hanging out the back of the phantom and he fell and zeb grabbed onto his foot and he continued to blast that droid while he was hanging <laughs> from his foot I'm like that right there is the epitome of what the clone army was right there they don't care if their life is about to be splat on the side of some mountainside they're gonna shoot that clanker i've had a theory that uh the Boba Fett we see in the films is Rex. Not the Boba Fett we know from the Clone Wars. Something replaces him. Um, obviously, the timing doesn't work, but I always kind of... <laughs> I, I just think it would be kind of fun to see some... You know, Rex doesn't die. He just kind of sticks around forever, and he, he's just such a fun character. On our Facebook page for Padawan Perspective about that, where it was... One of the images of, uh, I think it was like Nick Sant or something like that. He was a rebel that was yeah. on uh, uh, Endor. And Filoni at a rebels panel, I don't know if this was Celebration Europe, but he basically said, yeah, that might as well be him. Uh, and yeah. now that there's the new canon, it's like, uh, and someone was like, oh, well, we've already got a legend backstory. I'm like, yeah, but we can find out that his name is Nick Rex Sant. Like, you know, <laughs> he finally took a full name. Uh I think that's brilliant. Like, I'm with you, Dan. I don't think Rex should die. I think Rex should live on some form or fashion. He should totally stick around. I mean, do you remember when Hasbro made all those all those action figures of the Mandalorians and the different clones? They're like the seven box set that Entertainment Earth put out, right? Yeah. They brought that in because Django died, and they wanted to kind of continue the Mandalorian training the clones, 
right? Well, that's what you've got in Rex. You've got the legacy of the Mandalorians. Yeah. Or at least, oh. I don't know, Mandalorians have changed in Clone Wars, but you've got, not Death Watch, but you've got Jango's legacy continuing on. And, and that's pretty powerful. Even when we get to The Force Awakens, they do mention clones. So, I don't How long does cloning go on? Forever, as long as you have cloning... Yeah, the didn't disappear overnight. That's for sure. And honestly, that's something that, you know, Legends has gotten a lot of flack for, the clone of the week. Uh, but now that we've got a new canon, I mean, honestly, having villains come back and be cloned is not something that feels like it's outside the realm of possibility. Uh, one major legend story that always perplexed me was Outbound Flight. In it, Anakin was still young. Him and Obi-Wan, they get on Outbound Flight. They were going to leave the universe uh, you know, they're getting close to the edge of the galaxy. We knew in Legends that blood samples taken on Outbound Flight was how the clone of Joris Sabath came to be. And I was always like, okay, well, if you took samples of Anakin Skywalker as a Padawan, why mm-hmm. did you use that sample when you made a clone of Sabath? Like, I, that was something that never sat right with me. And then, of course, we had Galaxy of Fear with the clone story where a, a clone of Vader, actual Vader in the suit, 100% clone of the suit and everything. That was the only clone of Vader we had. I was always like, man, they, they made a reference to that of, of Anakin's DNA being taken. Why wouldn't Palpatine try it? You know, and I, I still to this day would love to have some kind of story like that where Palpatine's trying to replace Vader with a clone of Anakin. And for some reason, it won't work. I think that would just be brilliant. Right. You know, speaking of cloning and, you know, the, the clones and all that. Oh, you know, we have Rex around still, but what happened to the other clones? Where did they go ever since season three started or the one episode that we got? We didn't we never saw any of the other clones still fishing. Well, unlike (laughs) unlike a Padawan's life, once you're in like the mob, you're in for life. (laughs) The clones got decommissioned and they kind of just said that that they've been decommissioned when we got reintroduced to what was it? Wolf. Yeah. Rex and Gregor. So they're decommissioned. So that means they're all over the place. They could literally show up in the rebellion. There are some that are still functioning. I mean, we've got references to them in other books, but basically it came down to they were starting to wear out, not necessarily their physicalness, but their mental, you know, kind of like what we saw with Dogma in the Clone Wars where his chip wore out. You know, they were starting to wear out mentally and have breakdowns. In Legends, it was Clone Madness, which was one of the, the great things with Thrawn, Thrawn brought in the Yelsmiri, uh, the lizards that we see in the background in the, in the previews and stuff. He brought those in so he could use Sparty cloning chambers, and it created a bubble in the Force that the Force didn't exist. And by creating the clones inside that bubble, he eliminated the Force madness and was able to continue to raise clones at an accelerated rate not the rate that the Kamoans did where they were born and then they raised. And then at a certain, like, I think it was like the age of eight, they would jump from eight to 16, like within a matter of a few weeks, that acceleration is what sent them mad. And it was basically, they found out it was because of the force. And so Thrawn would use the Yosemary to create these force bubbles that would get around that. And he reinvented a clone army. He used the likes of Baron Suterfell and other regular people and recreated a bunch of clones. That is something they could do. I don't, necessarily know if they will because of how much flack legends got for doing that so often have you read this book recently because you remember a lot of details (laughs) we're reading it now and i don't remember yeah well i've I've been going through a lot of stuff now that beyond the films is back up and going again (laughs) (laughs) that's impressive 
<laughs> you know what I noticed? In all of, like, Ezra's dialogue, in, I, I don't think just in season three, just all of Ezra's dialogue, the majority of it, it's, he, his voice is just so dramatic, like, in all the things. In, in this episode, for example, he was like, uh, I've been using the holocron for good! And he's, like, yelling, I don't love you anymore, Dad! I'm going into my room! Like, every single line is so emotional. It's, I don't know. <laughs> he's very emotional this season, isn't he? He is. In fact, there was a great line by Sabine when someone's like, oh, it was, it was uh, uh, Hondo. Is that Ezra? She's like, sometimes, or most of the time. Or <laughs> I was like, oh. How powerful is Ezra? Let me ask you this question. He's as powerful as season three Clone Wars Ahsoka, right? Ooh, there's more to that. That's a loaded question. I guess the question I would propose is, are we going to see something similar to what we had in The Force Unleashed, where mm. the Force all disappeared and suddenly the Force was reacting to just anyone's touch in a magnified way? That was something kind of new that, that Legends played with off and on. But I wondered, you know, would they do something like that with canon? Because if they did, I could see Ezra being super powerful in that regard. Definitely. I want to see more of, like, Ezra's powers. You know, he has that, um, us, like... I, I can't wait to see some of Ezra's new powers because, you know, he uh, this season he learned how to control um, a pilot of an at, um, what was it, A-T-S-E? A-T-S-E. Yeah, he learned how to control that pilot. I don't know, it's cool to see, you know, new powers that he's learned. And one more question that I had is how long is season three after season two? It seems like it's been quite a while. It's a huge gap. We don't know. That's I think that's the question that we can ask for our continuity corner from Nathan Butler. He's gonna be answering some questions for us on our Facebook page, doing some live feeds. So we can ask him that question. Let's see if he if there's a definite answer of just how long this, this gap has been between season two and season three. Cause you know, Ezra changed his hair, he has a new lightsaber, he, kn he knows new powers, he, he's more mature. You know, like there's so many new things that have been added to these characters and why does, why does Ezra get a green lightsaber? I thought green was supposed to be for Yoda and Luke. And, and wisdom. And why does Ezra get a green lightsaber? Ligon. Yeah, well. What about Ahsoka? Yeah, well. <laughs> well, I mean, in Rebels, she has like two white lightsabers. So. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But I, I don't know. Does he Has he earned the green lightsaber? The green lightsaber is... When, when I saw Luke Skywalker ignite that green lightsaber on the sail barge, you know, I fell, I re-fell in love with the lightsaber. When they, when that green lightsaber comes on, that's something special. I still gotta, he still gotta give me more, you know. The green com color kind of, um, it kind of symbolizes wisdom. 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 And, and power. And Ezra's still just learning. He's still, you know, a, a Padawan. He's still in training and he doesn't know how to control his powers too well. And haven't they retconned something where the lightsaber crystal now that they use for their lightsaber can change color depending on what side you're on? That's why it's... Yes, uh, the Ahsoka novel actually touches on that in one of the interludes. Uh, they can be corrupted, and that's how they end up taking on their red look. Uh, granted, Legends, you know, Legends, it didn't matter. You can get red lightsabers. Uh, the crystal was just a color. Uh, but canon is leaning that way that, that they're corrupted, and that's what ends up making them uh, change to red. Interesting. Hmm. 
know, it was, it, was, it was a good episode. I think it was a good start. It wasn't one of my favorite episodes. It is a, It was a good episode to start off. This was a good episode, I think. Yeah, it's definitely slower than, than some of the other ones we've seen. You know, it's, it's a good starting point. Obviously, we're going to see more of Thrawn. I, I want to see more of Hondo, just because he cracks me up every time he shows up. And, and maybe he can speak more alien languages. That was cool. <laughs> you know, I, my favorite character is in all Star Wars is Han Solo. One of the things that I liked about him is that he didn't speak any of the languages that these aliens spoke, but he understood them all. And he could communicate with all of them. This is the first time I've seen a Star Wars character speaking a different language, uh, except for C-3PO, I think, from what I can remember at this point. And just seeing the dynamic between Ezra sort of coming into his own, but not quite ready to mature yet, that's going to be fun to watch that. Um, the destruction of the Phantom, I kind of got a sneak peek at that because I saw the Lego set. <laughs> so I knew that <laughs> had happened. But I don't know. Wait, wait, I, I'm, wait, I'm looking wait, forward to the rest of it. How did that spoil it for you? I missed this. There's a new Phantom Lego set. What? Oh, so they do replace it? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Yay! Ezra with the green lightsaber. Because we don't know what happened to Ahsoka. And so what if it was like Ahsoka's lightsaber? And stuff? Oh. I don't know. It's just a you know, I think that for me was one of the things that was the letdown of this episode. And granted, I get it. They're building all that mystery around what happened to Ahsoka. But that's the angle like, man, I wish they would have had a little more detail in that regard. I mean, we've seen images with some more uh, Fulcrum logos and stuff. We know she was Fulcrum, so maybe she's still around. But I'm not ready to give up on her story quite yet. Well, I guess we can all agree that this is whetting our appetites for more, more, more. Whether it's more Thrawn, more Hondo, more Ahsoka. Let's see just how much dark side Ezra's going to be able to use in the future. He's using the dark side really well. So I want to thank you again, Dan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate you coming here. You have an open invitation anytime you'd like to come on the show and share your thoughts with our Padawans. Just say the word and uh, you're welcome back on, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me. I mean, this has been fun. To be on your first show is uh, pretty exciting. I didn't know that was going to be the case, so <laughs> good luck and welcome to podcasting. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank Dan for coming on and everyone else who enjoyed us today. Uh, you can find episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawan Perspective, this has been Mark. Barrett. Taro. Taylor. And, and Dan, I guess, <laughs> do I get to say? Well, let us just say, for all of you out there listening to us with your Padawans, we salute you. You figured out what we're here for. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. <laughs>